Pam's going to now come and read our scripture this morning. Good morning. It's great to see everyone. Um, the scripture reading is not what's in your bulletin. It's um, Psalm 103, and it's on page 502 of the Pew Bibles. Psalm 103, page 502. It's truly an outpouring of David's love for God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with the good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who know who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O ye who, you who are his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. The word of the Lord.
Good morning. Well, you're going to have the good-looking guy up here, but you're stuck with me. Father, we ask that you uh, thank you, Father, for the prayer of Garrett, uh, Lord God, that you would come and, and breathe your life into your word. Give us a receptive spirit today to hear your word, to be fed by your word. Your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to uh, discern between joint and marrow uh, motivations of our heart, and you discern us that we might hear your word, that you might put to life your word in our, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but the pandemic, and I'm sure you're tired of hearing about it, right? Sorry. The pandemic was the most stressful thing that I have ever experienced since serving in the midst of a war. The interesting thing is that uh, it wasn't just a few soldiers or whatever, a few thousand soldiers in a distant land. All of us were involved in this thing. That was so stressful in our lives. The American Psychological Association said a third of U.S. adults say their stress levels are so high that they sometimes struggle with even basic decisions during those years. The World Health Organization reported a 25% increase in prevalence of anxiety and depression worldwide. The reality is Christians are not, we're not immune. You were not immune. I was not immune. What, what, how did we handle that? How did we make it through those, that year or year and a half or two years or whatever it was? How did you, your Christian faith, help you in the midst of a pandemic? Or whatever is next in our lives, or in our corporate lives, or all the things that may happen down the, the road. How do we handle those things in our lives? In the midst of that, I rediscovered personal worship, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The message this morning is this. God has uniquely designed us to worship him, and in that find life that satisfies through Jesus. Every day. By breathing, remembering his benefits, experiencing his love, and recognizing our brokenness. When I was a, a young Christian, I remember turning on to Christian radio and it would talk about the Westminster Confession was always, like every time I turned on, it was like, what is this thing? I've never, what is Westminster, you know, um, the chief end of man was the quote. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. One of my favorite uh, uh, preachers um, rewrote that and said, actually, I think what they meant was the chief end of man, of humans, the chief end of humans is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. So we're going to talk about worshiping, enjoying God, finding life and hope in him, and in being satisfied in him every day, the way that we can refresh ourselves to fill us because the world is draining us 
I was talking about pastors that I work with and uh, talking with one of them out in uh, Vermont, which is like a, like a, it's like a third, I don't know, it's a, it's a foreign country, you know, it's a foreign country. <laughs> and this pastor was talking about, um, you know, all the negative things that were going on in his church, you know, and, and then I eventually was able to turn him around and help him see the good things that God was doing. But I came up with this idea of, you know, people who, who eat your lunch. You know what I mean? You know, that you're just coming along and just, and they eat your lunch and you're like, oh, you know, and they just make life difficult for you. And, uh, and, and so what do you do when, when life eats your lunch? How do you respond? How does God uh, able to connect with you in a way that helps you continue to live that life in, in worship with him? So we're going to turn to Psalm 103 this morning. And it begins with these words. And we sang those words today. And uh, bless the Lord, O my soul. The word soul is that word nephesh. Nephesh. I was saying it last night and the dogs were barking. They were like, what is that? But everybody say that. So we can get all the dogs barking in Marblehead. Ready? Nephesh. Nephesh. It has this idea of breath. That's the, that's the root word. It's found only three times in a, as a verb. As a noun, it's multiple times all over the, the, the Bible. But, but as a verb, the root of the noun comes from this verb. That means to refresh, to, to breathe life into. And so our place where we breathe is our soul. It's the, it's the essence of us that breathes and is refreshed. And it's from which we live our lives, our nephesh. And so Paul, uh, I'm sorry, Paul, David um, says to his soul, bless the Lord, soul. It's a command. He commands his soul to breathe. He commands his soul to be refreshed. He says, bless the Lord, oh my soul. I, um, I, I like running outside, but when it's, you know, nine degrees below zero, I go to the gym. I didn't go yesterday, but I should have. Um, and I have to go in this thing called the treadmill. And, uh, and so, you know, you know, you've been on the treadmill and uh, you're there, and everybody else is there with you, and you're all, and you're look, trying to look over how fast they're going, I'm going to go how fast they are, and, and all these things. And, and so I, I, you know, I, I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run this, this pace for a, for a, for a mile, you know. Uh, and, and so I'm going to run this pace for a mile. And, and so I get, it's, I'm doing great, you know, and everything else. And I get to like three quarters of a mile, and I'm like, this is so hard, you know. But I was old military, right? So what you have in the military, when you're like, you know, when there's no more gas in the tank, they, the Lord provides this thing called a drill sergeant who stands there and screams in your ears and tells you, you know, that you can do this. Come on. So I find myself in that mode and, and forget that there's people around me. And I start commanding myself to go. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. You know, and everybody's looking at him. And he's like, what is wrong with the dude on the treadmill? And I forget. Oh, sorry. I, I said that out loud, you know. And, but that's, 
that's the kind of idea here that, that uh, David says, this is what we have to do. We have to take our soul that gets crumpled up, you know, and drained, and we've got to command our soul. We've got to take a hold of our soul and say, come on, soul, you're the thing that's supposed to get me going, and you need to do something to get there. You need to bless the Lord. You need to to pour out your praise to the Lord. Come on, soul. Be the drill sergeant and command your soul. Tell your soul what it needs to do. And so I came up with this thing. And so this is where I went in, during the pandemic. I, I went down and, uh, you know, all of us are blessed to live. You know, if you live here in Marblehead, you're really close. You know, I was at somebody's house and you could see the water. Then I was at somebody else's house and you could see the water. You can't see the water from my house. But it's about three quarters of a mile to a mile to get there if you follow the cool paths that I found eventually. And you go down there and where there's nobody on the treadmill next to you, you know. And, and, and I began to bless the Lord. And I, I did this thing. And, and there, there are spiritual disciplined people, spiritual directors that will teach you this thing called a breath prayer. And so how appropriate, because it's about your soul, right? So uh, we're going to do this. So, so what you do is when you breathe, okay, everybody get ready to do this. We're going we're gonna to do that right now, um, is when you intake, you're, you say, and I can't do it and, and instruct you at the same time. I tried to talk by inhaling, let the Lord, right? It doesn't work, okay? So you're going to do that. You're going to inhale, and I'm going to instruct you what you're supposed to be saying in your mind, and then exhale, oh my soul, and then and all that's within me. So you see it's in, a, it's in a poetry, if you're a poetry person, it's an A-B-B-A, right? So soul, soul, breathe, right? Uh, bless, right? Okay, so ready? Ready? All right, inhale, bless the Lord. Exhale, oh my soul. Inhale. And all that's in within me, exhale, bless his holy name. Inhale, bless the Lord. Exhale, oh my soul. Inhale, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. I'm sorry, exhale. (laughs) You get it. Imagine doing that and your brain becoming still in your body, becoming still before the Lord and allowing him to then speak to you, to breathe into you his life, to feel that you have a soul and all that's within me. That's the, that's the parallel to the word soul, definition of soul, all that's within me. Bless. David uses his body to express worship through dance, singing, instruments, lifting his hands. This word bless is that word. It actually comes from the knees. Your knees, your baraks, baruch, right, is your knees and has this idea of using your body to kneel before the Lord, to worship him, to praise him, to submit yourself to him. Lord, I can't handle what's going on right now whatever it is. There's 
chaos all around me. But Lord, I bow my knees to you. I bless you. I recognize that you are the Lord of all. You are the sovereign Lord over all. You have established your throne in the heavens and you are ruler over all. Therefore, I bless you. And he says, forget not his benefits. So there's that breathing but it's also remembering his benefits, bringing to mind. Don't forget them. In the book of Deuteronomy, the, the amazing com, com repetitive word in the book of Deuteronomy, which, you know, isn't one of your, probably your favorite books. It's a lot of laws, right? But at the beginning, he kept, keeps telling them, do not forget, do not forget, do not forget the benefits of walking it with God. Do not forget those benefits of following the way that I've established for you. Don't forget what I've done, how I brought you out and I brought you to this place. Don't forget those. And these are here in Psalm 103. David begins to remind himself of those benefits, those blessings. And if you want to find the New Testament version of those benefits, Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. It starts with this. Blessed, blessed be the Lord, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Three times the same word in New Testament Greek is used there, and then Paul, uh, Paul begins to talk about the New Testament blessings, which are uh, in some ways very parallel to these, the, to these here. But let's look at these here. He forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases. And I stop at that word, all. All. Can you hear that? All. What is that one thing? And God says, all. He redeems me from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion. Picture that redeeming, right? That, that is a, a good New Testament word that gets filled with the story of Jesus and Ephesians chapter 1 as well. That, that, that Paul says in him, we, are, we, are, we receive redemption, the forgiveness of sins, you know, so that he might lavish on us the grace of God. He redeems us from the pit. Have you ever been in the pit? He says, I redeem you from the pit and I put you in the palace. Crowns you with love and compassion from the pit to the palace, from the pauper to the prince. God brings us out of that. He brings us to this wonderful place in the palace of his love and compassion. And oh, he also satisfies us with every good thing. And those things that he truly satisfies us with renews us so that we can be, um, we can rise up like on the wings of an eagle. He so that we were to remember the benefits that he has for us. I'm going to do that quickly so we can get to the next one. But he also tells us we need to experience expressions of his love. In this passage, if you find the word love happen a whole bunch of times, and Pam made reference to that, uh, he uses three different Hebrew words. He uses all the words that are possible in Hebrew to express that God loves you. He has compassion on you. He's gracious. He's merciful. He doesn't always accuse you. He doesn't harbor anger against you. He's always there forgiving you. 
He's cleansing you. His love is steadfast love. His loving kindness is there. And again, Ephesians. So if you want to see Psalm 103 in the New Testament, go to the book of Ephesians. And that's another whole story. But, but there's that prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3 that kind of fits in with this. In, in Ephesians 3, the, uh, the, the prayer of Jesus, he prays that you would have all the power in your inner being by the Holy Spirit so that you might grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of God and experience that path, that, that love that is beyond understanding. He says, experience that love. When you think of um, dimensions, and I'm a geometry guy, so when I say how wide, how long, how high, and how deep, I'm thinking, oh, that's four-dimensional, you know. Well, no, it's the cross. How wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ for us. We are to experience that, that experience experience that love and and he gives us a couple different ways he gives us actually three similes so we're getting an english lesson this morning so we talked about you know poetic structure a b b a now we talk about similes similes are those places where the word as or like are used and if you notice those in there they're very common here in fact i noticed even this morning four more or three more the word like is used here as well but let's look at the as's the azazazas in, in Psalm 103. He says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. When I'm, after I've finished breathing, yeah, and yawning, and, uh, <laughs> sorry, Derek. <laughs> I didn't mean to that. Um, um, after we're breathing deeply, I look out at the skies. There from Preston Beach, Phillip Beach, or halfway in between. I sit there on the rock, and everybody knows that weirdo with the book in his hand is there. And I try not to raise my hands and shout and scream, you know, until they're all gone. But, um, but I look out, and I see these, these planes flying into Logan Airport, coming from 30,000 feet and coming down and getting lower and lower, and they come through the clouds, if there's clouds, and they end up over there at, at, at that place. And I look and I say, wow, the heavens. You know, we, we have this amazing thing that we can go down to the edge of a continent and, and have all the darkness and trees and crowdedness behind us, and we can look out at the vastness of the sky over the ocean. We can see the horizon, and we can, we can say, how high is the love of God? And then, of course, a hymn comes into my, my you know, uh, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. Some people don't like that tune, sorry. Uh, it's an old Jewish uh, hymn. But uh, the words are amazing because you're seeing the waves. I didn't plan to say that, but you see the, when there's waves, you, know, you, you are again reminded of God's love like the ocean washing around you. 
as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for you. And he doesn't stop there. The second simile that you see there, he says, as far as the east is from the west. And how far is that? Do they ever meet? If I, if I go east across that water there, uh, when will I ever get to the west? Never, right? But we have this amazing thing. We can look out on this horizon and it curves, you know? I see that lighthouse. I don't know where it is. Is that Hingham? I don't know if I can see Hingham from here, but I think I can. But the rest of it I can't see. Maybe that's the Pilgrim Tower in Cape Cod in Provincetown. Yeah, no, that's 40 miles away. Never mind. Uh, but but we, we, we can get this sense of how far God has cast our sins away from us. As far as the east is, so has he removed our transgressions from us. And we're reminded of that as we sit there on the shore. But then he goes even further. And maybe this one's not on the beach. But we have this idea, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You know, being a father um, is, is pretty cool. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying being a grandfather. Sometimes that's a little bit better, like right now. Because <laughs> I can play with my you know, grandkids and then they go home. <laughs> I don't have to sleep there in the same room with they're not going to sleep. I can just go take a nap when they, after they leave. You know? But there's something about being a dad. You know, to see your kids. You know, this week, our, our son who uh, started a job, what, a year and a half ago? Because um, he was really, you know, not getting paid worth these, worth, you know, what, what mom and dad think he's worth, right? You know, like, come on, stupid people, you know, get a clue, you know. And, and so he gets a better job now, and he's been doing really well, and they're putting people underneath of him. And, and you're like, dude, you're, you're like supervising people. You're not just like at the bottom of the thing. You're like, you know, com- you know commanding people. And, uh, and so he texts us this week and said, hey, I just got a promotion, you know. And there's something about being a dad. You're like, yes, yes, you go, dude. You got this. You're going to go so far. So proud of you. There's something about being a dad. But then there's those moments, you know, that I'm sure some of us have, have experienced when they go off the rail and they go away. And you go, why? I thought I loved them as best as I could. Didn't do it perfectly. Probably raised my voice too many, too many times. But now they're going. All the things that we put in them, and they're going, and they're leaving, and they're choosing paths that you would not want them to do. I didn't raise you like that, you know? My dad used to say, I didn't raise you like that. Okay, Sorry. But then your mind goes to the prodigal son, and you think, wow, isn't that what we do? You know, God says, I didn't raise you that way. And he waits, and he waits for us. He waits as we do things our own way, as we choose choices that are not pleasing to him, and he waits. And like that, prodigal father. I imagine 
I was a rocking chair, and he's got a porch in front of his house. I'm building a porch this year in front of my house. <laughs> and he's waiting. And then one day comes when he sees somebody that I think he recognizes the way he walks. Don't recognize the clothes, the rags that he's wearing, but he sees them. And it says, Jesus tells a story, that the father was filled with compassion. And he didn't think about what his servants would think about uh, an old man running, you know, with his garments flying and everything else, but he just doesn't care. He's filled with compassion, and he runs to his son down there because his son has come to his, his senses, and he's coming home. And a father's heart is filled with compassion for him. And he doesn't care, you know, what may, the, the guy's supposed to kiss or anything. He doesn't care. Throws his arms around his son and he kisses him and hugs him. And, spot, and the son begins to re, do his rehearsed confession. And the father doesn't even want to hear it. He says, put the robe on him. Put the ring on him. He's welcome back in his house. He's, his place is here in this home as my son. I love him. And let's celebrate. That's the father that David is trying to say as the father has compassion on his children, so the father has compassion on those who fear him. I had a slide so we're going to talk about the brokenness. So remembering, experiencing that expression of love, allowing God, his word, his creation to remind us if we can figure out that slide. You, so that's the warning. They'll, they'll get it up there. So um, recognizing our brokenness. The passage goes on and it says here that, uh, let me find it um, and reading it. He says, as the Father has compassion, he says, for he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. Um, my family were able to go to, uh, um, to Italy this, this winter, and we went and we had this list, where are we going to go? You know, and Michelangelo, we're going to go see David, and you know, in Florence, and we're going to go to Rome, we're going to go to the Vatican Museum, and what are we going to see there? The Sistine Chapel. Yes. So, so we went there and it, six miles of walking. And then you get to the Vatican, you know, the Vatican Museum. And then they make you walk. And you just don't walk right into the Sistine Chapel. They wear you out, literally, before you get there. You're like looking. I'm like, I don't want to see another. No, I don't want to see more of this. I've already seen too much of this. Can we get to the Sistine Chapel? And finally, after walking uh, like miles inside there, the last thing before you leave and go out the exit of the whole museum is the Sistine Chapel. And they bring you into this room. And there's hundreds of people standing there. And everything is on the ceiling. So you're like, I see it. I see the fingers. I see the fingers up there. And you get to the outside. And, and so you get to see it. And then you leave and go, okay, wow. That was kind of cool. Well, I was thinking about it the other day. And I said, you know what? I think Michelangelo had it wrong. I says, I don't know what 
Bible verse he was, he was working on uh, to, to think uh, that this is the, you know, you can bring the, uh, the next one so we don't have to see the naked guy anymore. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, he was created naked. Okay, that's the point, right? Um, all right, I don't need to see it anymore. But um, this was the way he, he, he describes or portrays the creation moment where Adam is created. And I disagree. You know, who am I? I'm not Michelangelo, right? I'm just Stephen Michael, right? Um, in, in Genesis chapter 2, it's, there's, this, there's this story where, 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 where God gathers up the dust. And that's where I think David is going. He's kind of making a, a reference to, to Genesis chapter 2, where God gathers up the dust and he breathes life into that dust. I imagine that he made maybe a form of a guy and, and then it was mouth to mouth. There was this breathing. Instead of fingers touching, I think there should be lips touching here as he breathes. This intimate moment where he says, I, you are created in my image and I intimately love you and I'm creating you to love me. That's your whole purpose is to be created in God's image so unique beyond all of creation to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm breathing that life into you that you might breathe me into life. And so instead of fingers, I would say it should be lips. Sorry. But it's still beautiful. It's still beautiful. He goes on and says that not only that we were dust, we were dust, that we are also sinners. He does not treat us. And so he, uh, just as he, he describes love in three different ways and describes and gives you all these examples of love, he gives you this idea of his of sinfulness. And he uses sin and trespasses iniquities. And he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. He removes our transgressions. He realizes that we are dust, that we are broken. And then he goes on and says... Just like all the life of mortals is like grass. The flower of the field flourishes and then the wind blows over it and it is no more and its place remembers him no more. I'm back on the beach again, Philip Beach now, where they've just uh, filled in, at least this summer, uh, they filled in and put all kinds of dune grass. They're going to plant all this dune grass there. And then we had that storm, right, on December 23rd, and all the water went way up. And, all, and a lot of that grass is gone. It's place. That's who we are. Impermanent. Brevity. Transience. We are like that grass on Phillips Beach in a winter storm. Our lives are open, are open and closed in a moment. But look where God goes from there. He says, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children on generation upon generation upon generation. So may, you may say, well, um, how can I find that healing? How can I find that forgiveness 
in my life? How can I experience that expression of God's love? And there's an interesting word that's also repeated there. He says, those that fear him. He mentions it three times. So great is his steadfast love for those who fear him. Lord's compassion is those who fear him. The word fear here is not uh, dread, like if I go into that church, the walls are going to fall down kind of fear, but it's that kind of fear that Thomas had when he says, well, I, you know, I, in the resurrection, you know, Jesus, uh, Thomas came and said, well, unless I can put my hands right there, I'm not going to believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. And Jesus says, he appears to them and says, Thomas, bring it on. And at that moment, Thomas falls down, I imagine. It's not literally in this passage. But he says, my Lord and my God. It's where we submit our lives to him and recognize who he is. And so he invites us to do that, to come in that attitude of receiving, of of fearing him, of trusting him uh, for us, and to receive those benefits that he has for us. And so... He asks us to come with him. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you have breathed your life into us. Help us, Lord God. Help us be the people who recognize all that you have done in Jesus Christ. The forgiveness, the healing, the satisfaction that we have by knowing Jesus. Nothing else matters. So Father, in this moment, just as we breathed, we we ask that you would come. Help us, Lord God, to trust you, to fear you, to put our faith and reliance on you. Say, come, Lord Jesus. Forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me, wash me, wipe them away as far as the east is from the west. Fill me with your love. Help me know you every day. Lord, go with me in every place I go this week. Every challenge, Lord God, breathe into me your benefits, your blessings, your love. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. We're doing communion now. Is that right? I don't have a bulletin. <laughs> so if we could have the, uh, the elders and deacons, the leaders, come forward this morning for communion, we get another opportunity to express our love for the Lord and to remember his benefits.